0: You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. John chapter 8, verses 2. At dawn, Jesus went to the temple complex again, and all the people were coming to Him. He sat down and began to teach them. Then the scribes who were attorneys and the Pharisees who were religious political leaders brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, they said to him, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? And they asked this to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. Jesus stooped down, started riding on the ground in the dirt and the dust with his finger. When they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, The one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. And Then he stooped down again and continued riding on the ground, you know, in the dirt and the dust. When they heard this, they left one by one. Starting with the older men. Only he was left with the woman in the center. When Jesus stood up, he said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she answered. Neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. So now go. From now on, sin no more. Everyone else was ready to throw stones, but not Jesus. Despite the fact that this woman was caught in law-breaking, punishment-deserving sin, he didn't pick up a stone. The text tells us that when all the religious leaders walked away, only he was left with her in the center. With her in the center. That's what the text says. Jesus enters into the stoning circle with her and stands with her, not Against her. He puts himself in harm's way. He puts himself on the receiving end of the stones. And he demonstrates solidarity with her. He accepts her just as she is before advising her on her lifestyle issues. I'm going to say that again. He accepts her before advising her. He does not advise her in order to accept her. He accepts her before he advises her. I read this story and I think, God, if only I would learn from Jesus. But no, I'm postured to stand against her rather than with her. I will advise her before I accept her. If I even accept her. I mean, after all, I cannot condone her sin. I cannot give that impression that her sin is acceptable. And I have permission to feel this way since I'm affirming what the Scriptures teach. But am I really? Am I really affirming what the Scriptures teach? When, as the Scriptures say, The Word of God that became flesh and made His dwelling among us and a person shows me what it looks like to affirm the written Word of God on pages when people are about to be stoned. The religious leaders were reading Deuteronomy 22.22 just fine. It says, If a man is found having sex with a woman who is married to someone else, both of them must die. The man who is having sex with the woman and the woman herself remove such evil from Israel. I tell you, they were in the right. I mean, half right. Because the man was somehow able to escape the judgment. But we ought not to be surprised at that. Should we? Either way, a stoning was an order. And this homebreaking adulterer is deserving of death. Her sin is terrible, despicable, death dealing. Home wrecking. The religious leaders have the authority of Scripture, the written words of God behind them, and if they are not—I mean, if they are to not look light on sin, they must do something. And yes, there's no doubt in my mind there are ulterior motives here because John tells us there are ulterior motives here. They want to catch Jesus in a legal problem. They want to trap Jesus in their ideology and set him up to disregard the plain teaching of Scripture even if it costs a woman her life, though. So don't let the Scripture telling you that they're trying to trap Jesus help you miss the fact that they're willing to let a woman die because of it. They're using the Bible to their own purposes to fit their own ideology so they can prove a point no matter whose life it takes. She's disposable. She's disposable. And that's okay. Because we have the Bible on our side. Remove such evil from Israel, the text says. If the religious leaders have their way in accordance to the written words of God, she will die. Yet... The living Word of God that became flesh decided that He would die instead of her. Jesus steps in and stands with the guilty. Jesus steps in and stands with the guilty. Even though stones could come hurled at His body. He bends down and he writes in the dirt and dust a message we'll never really know. And then demonstrates in his actions that he accepts her before seeing fit to advise her on her lifestyle issues. And then later he dies for her so she could have the kind of life that really works when it's lived under the reign of God. And I have to believe that his death would mean something to her. Because while he lived, he did not lambast her. The fact that Jesus stands with the guilty should move us from our own guilt. The fact that Jesus accepts before he advises us should tell us that you or I have nothing to fear in his presence, even in our worst moments. The Apostle Paul knew this all too well. He was a murderer. He was a terrorist, a terrible and despicable man. He was a different kind of homebreaker, arresting and killing Christian mothers and fathers simply because they followed this Jesus who stood in stoning circles. And Jesus stood with him in his dark hour. It's probably why he wrote to the Christians in Rome. Or do you have contempt for the riches of God's generosity, tolerance, and patience? Don't you realize that God's kindness is supposed to lead you to change your heart and life? Paul knew what Jesus knew. We do not repent because we receive good advice. We do not repent because we are told a thing or two. We do not repent because we are told to go to our rooms and think about what we have done. We do not repent when we are forced into stoning circles and judged by others. We do not repent when we are shamed or abandoned. Repentance comes from us because God's kindness and mercy comes to us first. We repent when kindness and mercy is given. The same Jesus tells me, tells us, that if we're going to follow him, we have to take him seriously. We have to set our heart and our mind and body and soul toward living as He lived, loving as He loved, take up our own crosses and follow Him. Even if it leads to standing with the guilty in the stoning circle. Even if it leads to standing with someone, everybody else wants to stone. Even if it means we could get hit with stones too. But it seems to me that I, and maybe some of you, maybe none of you, but I would rather throw stones. Instead of playing the role of Jesus, I find more comfort in playing the role of the religious leaders, quoting scriptures while picking up my stones. And I guess that's the easier route to take. It's less gray. There's less tension in that. And it's much more black and white, much more resolute. I'm learning from Jesus that acceptance isn't about agreeing. We don't. Accepting isn't about agreeing. It's just affirming one's humanity made in the image of God. It's affirming their worth. The same worth that put nails in His hand. The fact is, when followers of Jesus cannot tell the difference between acceptance and agreement, we just find it easier to pick up stones. You and I will not learn the difference between acceptance and agreement by simply reading about it or listening to someone else speak about it. The only way we'll learn the difference is by courageously standing in the stoning circle with another person. When issues and wrongdoings have faces and names associated with people that someone we know loves or we love or we know that someone loves or considers a friend, we might be surprised how much easier it is to distinguish between acceptance and agreement. We must learn to follow Jesus beyond words and follow Him with our lives, even if we find ourselves standing with a sinner in the storm. God, if only we would learn from Jesus, if only we would learn from Jesus who writes in the dust that we are dust ourselves. We are dust. All of us dust that is what Lynn invites us to remember that we are but dust from dust we are made and to dust we shall return I know that we're dust because I have seen friends cremated as their dust sits in my study at my house we are but dust life is fleeting and our power over it is just an illusion We remember our own creation story that when God made the universe, He brought everything we see into existence from nothing. And we remember that in the creation story that on the sixth day, God made humans and He handcrafted us in the divine image from what? From what does it say? The dust of the earth. The lifeless dust that forms humanity comes alive in the Spirit of God who breathes life into our dust-formed nostrils and now dust lives. We are the dust that loves and hates. We are the dust that makes friends and enemies. We are the dust that does justice and injustice. We are the dust that judges and is judged. We are the dust that that laughs or cries, dances or mourns, sings or sorrows. We are the dust that walks closer to God or walks away from Him, the one who gave us life and sustains our life. And that is the tragedy. We are the dust that lives and dies. And so God becomes one with us one with His living dust. He, he takes on the form of the very bodies He formed from the dust. He becomes one with us by accepting, by becoming one for us. But He's different. See, we are the dust that loves and hates, but He only loves. We are the dust that makes friends and enemies, but He is the dust that long to make enemies friends. We are the dust that does justice and injustice, but He is the dust that, justly, that does justly to the just and unjust. Where we are the dust that judges and is judged, He is the dust that stands with the judged. Where we are the dust that walks closer to God and walks away from Him, He is the dust that walks as God to us and makes life possible even though we are dust. He is God. And He writes in the dust and brings kindness and mercy to us so that repentance might come from us. He is God. And He brings kindness and mercy to us so that we will imitate Him and bring kindness and mercies to others who bear the image of God.